2: Visit Toyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
3: Hey, thanks for listening to the Ben Maller Show podcast. It's me, Ben. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 2 to 6 Eastern, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. Pacific right here on Fox Sports Radio. You can find your local station for the Ben Maller Show over at FoxSportsRadio.com or stream us live every night on the iHeart Radio app by searching FSR. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. And our lead this hour coming from Pro Bouncy Ball. In a previous episode of the show, we had one of my favorite callers, Sean the Hood Guy, on. And Sean the Hood Guy was demanding an NBA Finals pick. And I explained to Sean the Hood Guy, I have four hours a night to fill on the show, and I had to wait till the proper time to release the pick. And the one thing you need to hear that will get you through your life is what the blowhard on the radio thinks is going to happen in the NBA Finals. But it was the middle of the night before Game 1 of the NBA Finals, and all was quiet on the Western Front as tonight, this is our Thursday show, tonight, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time. That's where Denver's located. The Heat and the Nuggets will be bobbing and weaving in a scheduled seven-round heavyweight title fight. The winner gets the championship little piece of metal, as a commissioner in a different sport would call it. Are you excited? Eh? No? Well, I guess if you're a Nuggets fan, you're excited. If you're a Heat fan, you're excited. Everyone else, eh, neutral. Now, a popular stereotype has held strong, and and I get a kick when these things take place because they happen more often than not. But a very popular stereotype of the modern NBA is playing out in front of our eyes. The line that has been used a million times, it's a make-or-miss league! You've heard that before. And it turns out that the two teams that will be playing for the title are the two top jump-shooting teams in the playoffs. So all of the analysis, all the breakdowns, all the rigmarole that gets tossed out in the ethos, and it's just simply whoever makes the most jump shots. That's it. It's a, it's a simple equation. It's not that hard, and they're the only two teams left standing, Denver and Miami. Now, game one has the Nuggets a massive nine-point favorite. They opened a six-point favorite. The popular opinion by popular people is that the Heat will be flatter than an ironing board and that the series will not really begin until Game 2, that Game 1 is going to be a route or a route uh, based on the fact that the seven-game series happened between Boston and Miami. But rather than just focus on Game 1, it is now time for the much-talked-about, much-anticipated Maller monologue that will tell you who will win the NBA Finals. There is no reason, no reason to actually watch. We're going to tell you who's going to win. We're going to tell you how many games, the whole deal. All right, so let's discuss. The question, you phrased it already, but who's going to win? Who is going to stand atop the peak of the mountain after the NBA Finals? Will it be the Heat or the Nuggets? You make the call. So I've got Barbershop, Mosquitoes, and Pontoon Boat. And we will tie all of these things together and that we are going to make a long drawn out championship series. So, a uh, as far as who we are picking, we are going Chalky McChalk in the NBA Finals. The Nuggets are your NBA champion. They bring in the bling bling. Now, be ready for a nice outdoor parade in the Rocky Mountain area coming up in the next couple weeks, and I'll tell you why. So, this is not. Brain surgery. It's merely gas baggery is what it is. But go to the barbershop. You're going to need a shave, right? You need a shave at the barbershop. And I recommend you pick Occam's Razor because that's what I picked. Occam's Razor. I was on the radio hours ago in New Zealand with my friend Darcy Waldergrave. We were talking about the NBA Finals. And I explained, listen, don't outthink yourself. A Denver is a juggernaut type of team right now, the way they've been playing. Uh, and the the card here is the Joker card. The Nuggets, he is by far head and shoulders better than anybody on Miami. And I love Jimmy Butler. But the Nuggets have outscored their opponents by 130 points when Nikola Jokic has been on the floor. He's played 583 minutes so far in the playoffs. And when he's been out there... Denver has been plus 130. He has been the most dominating force in the postseason. Do I see that ending here? Not outside of injury. Now, injuries, everything's all bets are off. But assuming he stays healthy, everything goes through the Serbian stallion. And you've got the perfect wingman, Jamal Murray. The way these guys have played, it's similar to a nice dish that goes together like the macaroni and the cheese. Perfect. Uh, Murray has upgraded his game in the playoffs. So many of these guys in the NBA downgrade their performance. We complain about it all the time. Guys that aren't as good in the big moment. Jamal Murray's been the opposite. He's averaging 27.7 points per game here in the playoffs. That is up from 20 points during the regular season. It's the yin and the yang. And Nikola Jokic has been assisted by Murray 48 times. Murray's been assisted by Jokic 36 times. So it's the two-man game, the two-headed dragon for Denver, which has been getting it done. That's what we're betting on. Uh, th- those are the most and second-most assists from a player to a single teammate in the playoffs. So that's been the most dominating duo, and that's how you end up in the NBA Finals. Now, on the other side, turning the page here, page two, what gives the Nuggets concern? Now, I'm picking Denver in six, but what gives Denver some pause here when it comes to playing the Heat. So the, the first thing is rather obvious. It's the tenacity of Miami. Uh, say what you will. We don't like the term Heat culture. We're annoyed by that. It's been said too much. But the Heat do play with gumption. They are fundamentally sound, and they have assembled a group of human mosquitoes that are absolute pests, and uh, they're a nuisance. On the court, and that does wear down opponents. We've seen it throughout the playoffs here. Now, what's my evidence? Miami leads the postseason in charges drawn per game. They're second in deflections per game. And I flash back to when I was around Phil Jackson years ago, and he used to talk about hands on balls, hands on balls. Right? Kobe Bryant did the same thing. But th- that's because of their spirit animal in Jimmy buckets. Jimmy Butler, thirty-five steals. He's gotten the playoffs 10 more than any other player in the postseason. He also leads the playoffs in total deflections. So a lot of those numbers, a lot of those numbers are based on the performance of one Jimmy Butler leading the way. And the Heat, if you don't screw up and you make the other team have to make shots to beat you, you can go further. The Heat have committed almost a a turnover and a half fewer per game than their opponent in the road through the Eastern Conference to the NBA Finals. That is the second-best differential in the playoffs. And you 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 toss in as an added bonus, but wait, there's more. The snipers are going to snipe, and they have taken a quantum leap. The Miami Heat, who sucked at a time you could not suck during the regular season, have corrected that blight on their resume. The Heat have shot 39%. From three-point range. That is the number one mark in the postseason. They were 27th out of 30 teams in the regular season. So they've gone from 27 to number one. Uh, That is impressive. That's the biggest leap ever in the history of the sport. In the history of the sport. We've never seen anything like this. So how could I possibly go against that? Well, Denver's better, and I expect a regression to the mean. Why? I have learned over the years watching sport that extreme outcomes are followed by very consistently moderate outcomes. And take Caleb Martin, for example. This is a great guy set up for a crash and burn. Caleb Martin, what a great story he was in the Eastern Conference Finals, not if you're a Celtic fan, but Caleb Martin – has an effective field goal percentage, I don't even know what that is, but it sounds important, of 68.4%. If that holds, that would be the top mark in NBA playoff history. We have never seen, for anybody shot 150 field goal attempts or more, we have never seen anyone shoot the basketball more efficiently and effectively than Caleb Martin. But the law of averages say that he's not that good. He's not, and that will change. That will fall back down. All right, last word. So I I keep looking at ways I can be wrong on this. I'm picking Denver in six, but how can Miami neutralize Nikola Jokic? So the the way I've determined here is to go online and buy a voodoo doll, and I'd like you to poke with a pin the ankle. Maybe you'll get a rolled ankle. And that's what Miami benefited from with Jason Tatum. But in all seriousness, the one chink in the armor is in the middle. Uh, Nikola Jokic from mid-range has not been good. In fact, he is the second worst marksman in the mid-range game uh, among players that have attempted at least 25 of those shots in the playoffs. He's the second worst. That has been his one weak spot. So if you can keep him in the midpoint, you got a shot, if you take a nap, he'll kill you. As Jokic is shooting over 47% from three-point range, the second-best mark in the entire NBA. The only guy that was better was Devin Booker, and he's having a cocktail in Cancun right now. And the pressure is also on, bam, out of bio. Good luck. Bring it up, bam. Dribble, 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 turn it over. Now, the other storyline is, the the final final point here that I've read a lot about, and you've probably seen this, is the altitude in Denver, a real edge for the Nuggets. So I am shaking my head. No, no, we had some fun with this. I was I used to have these guys that worked in the show, Roberto and Coop. They don't really seem to work on the show anymore, but they're Laker like guys. And I used to bust their balls on on that. I thought it was fun because they got annoyed and they would react. And so I would I would had my tongue firmly planted to my cheek uh, while I was saying that. But despite The preview write ups which is lazy river sports journalism, that mile-high altitude will be the deciding factor. We don't buy it. Uh, We're not buying that. I've heard this my entire life. The only reason this is a thing right now is because Denver, this is very hard to figure out, Denver's actually got a good team. And I look, and over the years, I've watched a lot of Nuggets teams and Rockies and the Avalanche and the Broncos. And every once in a while, they'll win a championship, the Avalanche and the Broncos. It's not like they're exactly hoarding titles, right? I mean, maybe they are, and I just haven't been paying attention. It's a lazy storyline. Visiting teams over the years have figured out different ways to mitigate the altitude. Now, it's a factor, but there's all kinds of factors, right? Guys have issues with their their parents who are asking for money, their cousins or their uncles or their uh, baby mamas or their wives or whatever. Uh, There's all kinds of mitigating situations, but uh, variables to these things. But the only time it ever seems to matter, the only time it's ever an issue with the Rockies, the Nuggets, the Avalanche, and the Broncos, the only time it matters is when they actually have really talented teams, when they have elite rosters. Spoiler alert, the Denver Nuggets this year You could put a giant pontoon boat out in the Indian Ocean, right in the middle of the Indian Ocean, and play basketball, and the Nuggets would be really, really competitive and probably win the whole thing because they happen to have players that are playing better than most of the other team's players. Understand? Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into 150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc welding instructor alex DeClair
0: knows firsthand how vr training platforms like forge fx can help meet the demand for skilled workers
2: anywhere you go look there's going to be a shortage of welders vr
0: training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career
2: the beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need.
0: Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
2: This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class
3: Maller here. Winter is coming. Here in L.A., that means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice, like my brother in Appleton, Wisconsin. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All-season tires, all-weather tires, and dedicated winter tires. Go to TireRack.com. Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where – you drive Choose from the full lineup of Redistein tires. Ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. You get free road hazard protection for two years. Mobile tire installation is available in many areas. Have you heard about this? They bring new tires to you at home or work and install them on site. Game changer. Go to TireRack.com slash sports to see their Redestein test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're the experts. That's TireRack.com slash tirerack.com. The way tire buying should be. And our lead this hour, coming from the coaching carousel, another chair has been filled on the sidelines of the NBA. The finals will begin tonight, but there is moving and shaking as we head into the first day of June, as we are all on the supersonic time machine And away we go. All right. So if you haven't heard this, Detroit basketball, uh, maybe not, Monty Williams, the man that had decided he did not want to coach in the state of Michigan, Monty Williams has agreed to an earth-shattering contract to coach a basketball team, the Pistons, and, uh, yeah, he's the next head coach. It's the same job that Monty Williams reportedly rejected several weeks ago. We are told that Williams receives, at the very minimum, a six-year contract for $78.5 million. Now, keep in mind, Monty Williams will not score a point. He will not grab a rebound. He will not steal the pass. He will not have an assist. $78.5 million. He is the highest-paid now head coach in the history of the NBA. Holy Phil Jackson and Red Arbach Batman. Uh, he will replace Dwayne Casey, who was forced out after five years at the end of this past regular season. He was given a figurehead front office position, Dwayne Casey, because he's a good guy. They like him. They think he's a terrible coach. So now it's Monty Williams' era in the Motor City so this is a big story. Let us discuss the question, why did Monty Williams have a change of heart on the Detroit Piston coaching job? So I've got Home Depot, Cornfield, and Totem Pole. And we will combine all of these things together, and we are going to make a house the size of... <laughs> of the Taj Mahal, because you can afford any kind of house you want with $78.5 million. So to lead off here, Monty Williams, I give the guy credit, man. What a wonderful negotiation. He played hard to get. He played hard to get. In my mind, I don't think he was playing. This is not a good job. Monty Williams was sitting on an oil reserve. And we talked about this in a previous Mallard monologue. They made a promo out of it. I was going ranting and raving going through the fact that he had already won the lottery. That he was given Monty Williams the ultimate severance package. That Monty Williams was going to get paid over $20 million from the Suns to sit on his fat ass and not work. How wonderful would that be? Now, I like to work, so for me it would be a little awkward. I'd like the money, though. But Monty could sit on a beach, any beach he wants, for a year or two years, and f- possibly for the rest of his life and enjoy the good life. But he ends up playing this cat and mouse game. It's like they often say in the dating game. The ones that play hard to get are the ones that that people want. And Monty Williams played hard to get cat and mouse game with the Pistons, the ownership group. Tom Gores, I believe is the name, for old Michigan State guy who's the owner of the Pistons. And he would not take no for an answer. And he kept going. And it got higher and higher and higher and higher. And Monty Williams ends up with the Home Depot special, the hammer, the golden hammer for Monty Williams. Woo! When the dust settles, this guy's contract could end up reaching $100 million with incentives. $100 million. So they're already giving him $78.5 million, but then if he actually is good, they'll give him even more money. It includes team options uh, after the six-year deal. Now, furthermore, how does the path to winning big with the Pistons look in the, in the near future? So you got the micro and the macro. In the micro, boy, does the forecast look bad. Detroit is in a precarious situation. They're not the worst of the worst. They just feel like the worst of the worst. They're, they're also not really anywhere close to contending status. Detroit is on unstable footing. I've been told by management if I talk too much about the Pistons, I'll lose my job. But Monty Williams inherits a mess. He is in slumlord territory, a well-paid man at the very top and a total slum he's overseeing. If if, if this was a premier job, right, if this was a premier job, the Pistons, it's rather obvious, you don't need me to tell you this, every man, woman, and child knows, the Pistons would not have to pay a tariff a bounty to get a name brand coach. The Pistons, even with Monty Williams, are like a rat in a cornfield maze going blindly down random pass uh, trying to get the cheese. Now, they have some players that were highly decorated coming into the NBA. A lot of undercooked ingredients. One of the reasons it's not a a great job. It's not even an average job. It's a below average job. Cade Cunningham, And Jaden Ivey are the blue chip backcourt. They hope that these guys, it's hope, not reality, on a wing and a prayer that these guys will turn into Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Uh, Good luck on that. Heck, you'd like to have Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars. Good luck on that. Uh, Neither is close to sniffing all NBA status. You've then got Flotsam and Jetsam to fill out the roster. Marvin Bagley and James Weissman, a couple of lottery picks for Sacramento and Golden State, respectively, who, who have failed. That's why they're not playing for Sacramento and Golden State. If they were good, they'd still be with those teams. And you've got a lot of flim-flam. So we anticipate Detroit. They'll also have to make some other moves here and spend some money. And they're uh, relatively high draft pick. They can make a trade, make some kind of splash move to improve the roster and get rid of some of these cast-offs and leftovers. The, the big takeaway here from this is simple: everyone's got their price. Monty Williams, he's got his price. All right, twenty million. It's like, all right, how do I turn twenty million into seventy-eight and a half or a hundred million? Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, you did it. Congratulations! It's like pulling a rabbit out of the hat. Monty Williams is willing to stick his head in the microwave to coach a bunch of stiffs for a king's ransom. And good luck. All right, parting shot. Thumbs up or thumbs down on Monty Williams having a major impact on the Pistons. Turning things around. He's going to be there a while. So I am going thumbs down. I am going thumbs down. This ain't the NFL. Coaches are marginalized more in pro bouncy ball than any other sport, with a close second being hockey and then baseball also. Baseball managers used to manage They used to manage the game based on feel of the game. Now they go by the three-ring binder. So it's essentially AI is managing baseball teams. And in basketball, look at the Celtics. Joe Mazzula, you think he was actually coaching the team or you think he was just repeating, he was the middle man, middle manager, repeating what the, the nerds told him to do. I'm going with the latter, but you can go with the opposite if you want. Uh, but just in general. You're coaching the Pistons. You're the low man on the totem pole. That's where the dogs urinate all over you. Uh, The dregs of basketball society. And it's been that way for years. There are very few exceptions. People will bring up the Miami Heat. And they'll say, well, there's an exception. But I would argue that Jimmy Butler is one of the great players of this generation And if you take him out of the equation and put a middling player in, that Coach Spo and the Heat culture are not what people are talking about. Players rule the roost. They ride in the pole position. And you know who knows that more than anyone? Monty Williams. Because when Monty Williams has had terrible players, he's had had losing records. When he's coaching the New Orleans Pelicans, I guess they were the Hornets when he coached them, then they became the Pelicans – But he had years where they they won 21 games, 27 games, 34 games. You know why? They didn't have good players. And then when he got good players, they had good records. You think there's a connection possibly? You think that's a a factor that you've got to weigh in here that you could put anybody out there if you've got a good team? And so Monty Williams himself can be a $100 million coach possibly Now, the only wiggle room he's got is that he's going to be making more money than most of the players on the Pistons, likely. And he'll be under contract longer than anyone on the roster. But that only gets you so far. Over the years, it has been a proven fact that coaches do not matter much at all. In fact, the way they mostly matter is getting in the way. See Doc Rivers as an example, right? If you have a championship-level roster, you will win because of the players. The coach. Can meddle, can only meddle, and and get rid of that that good vibration, like Joe Mazzulla in Boston, right? Let him play Joe. You know who also believes in this theory? The various aristocrats that happen to own pro bouncy ball teams. Ask the guy that owns the Milwaukee Bucks who fired Mike Budenhoser a couple years after they beat the championship, beat the Suns in the championship round, or the Toronto Raptors who let go of Nick Nurse. Both of them excommunicated. There have been three coaches in the last five, six years that were on championship teams, supposedly, that were let go. So the teams don't think they matter that much, which makes this all the more outrageous. Like, what are you doing? Was this just like a urinating match and you had to win the owner of the Pistons like a piece of art and you're in a bidding war and you have to get the piece of art and the art's Monty Williams? Whatever it takes? My goodness. Gadzooks. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. Hi, this is Jay Glazer, and you may know me from the world of football or fighting or even shows like HBO's Ballers. What you don't know is for my entire life, I have lived in something I refer to as the gray. Depression, anxiety. So now I'm coming out with a new podcast, Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer, where each week, While we talk about mental health, I hope to describe it. Give it words. Listen to Unbreakable with Jay Glazer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Maller here. Winter is coming. Here in L.A., that means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice, like my brother in Appleton, Wisconsin. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All-season tires, all-weather tires, and dedicated winter tires. Go to TireRack.com, use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation, the right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full lineup of Kumo tires. Ship fast and free to you, or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. You get free road hazard protection for two years. Mobile tire installation is available in many areas. Have you heard about this? They bring new tires to you at home or work and install them on site. Game changer. Go to tirerackcom sports to see their Kumo test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're the experts. That's TireRack.com slash sports. tirerack.com. the way tire buying should be. So our lead this hour coming from the sports media world, big story in this world that I'm in, uh, shake-up on the boob tube. Debate television is going to look much different soon enough if you're a fan of debate television. Uh, if you didn't see this and – News came out kind of late in the day on Wednesday, so maybe you missed it. Uh, we have learned that Shannon Sharp has quit his television job. He's out. Uh, Shannon Sharp getting a buyout agreement with Fox. He is leaving his long-standing position as the sidekick on Undisputed. And the reason we're talking about this story, we're relatively confident it's true Is because the New York Post, which is owned by a gentleman named Rupert Murdoch, who also happens to own Fox Sports. The New York Post tells us that Mr. Sharp, his final show is expected to be right after the 2023 NBA Finals. So within a couple of weeks here uh, in the month of June, which we are in right now. In addition, his fledgling podcast is also... Uh, going to be leaving as well. It's kind of obvious they wouldn't keep his podcast if they're getting rid of his TV show. So Sharp and Skip Bayless, they've been together since 2016. That partnership ending within a couple of weeks. So let us discuss. The question is rather obvious here. The question is, why? Why is Shannon Sharp leaving undisputed? What are we doing here? All right, so I've got salamander. Uh, We also have coattails and the always popular crystal ball. And we will combine all of these things together, and we are going to make a very nice golden parachute, which is what Shannon Sharp is going to get from uh, the people over there at Fox. They will take care of him. Uh, so I'd just like to have that. I would like to have what he's getting to leave. I would be happy with that. So first of all, I am fascinated by this. Right? You got a good thing going. Both these guys, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, get paid insane amount of money, and they have an easy job. And you know how I know that? I have an easy job. In fact, what I do here, I believe, is harder than what they do. Right? It it is. Uh, and they got an even easier job than I have with all the support staff they have and all that. And they, they create much more buzz in social media than they do ratings, but they have a lot of influence regardless of that. And when you take a couple of steps back and you're like, what are you doing, right? And to answer the question why, the obvious answer here is things got personal. And Shannon Sharp could no longer handle it. He can't handle... Debate television. That's my diagnosis. That over the years, he's done this a long time and he's just changed and he's undergone a mutation. He's grown a layer of salamander skin and all those barbs and all those shots that Skip Bayless has thrown out, suddenly Skip's crossed the line. Now it's personal. And I know from working with different people over the years and different shows I've worked on at different radio stations. There's a rule of thumb in broadcasting when you do a show with someone for a long time you generally end up hating them. I uh, and you just don't don't like them in the least. I mean that that happens all the time in these type of jobs. It's like your second relationship and um but you're not sleeping with the person in most of the cases. Uh you're you're just working with them and people get under your skin and all that. And that's that's the simple answer here that Shannon Sharp just didn't want to put up with the bullcrap anymore. And to do the job properly, you have to put up with the bullcrap. And he can no longer handle the bombastic bluster of Skip Bayless. And it turns out the tabloids were right. There's a story a couple months ago that said there was legitimate bad blood, that Shannon Sharp almost quit. In fact, he did take a show off after the DeMar Hamlin story, that Monday night game between the Bengals and Bills and, Skip Bayless had gone on an unfiltered rant on Twitter and people were very offended because Skip Bayless had said the game should, should go on and all that. They can't cancel the game. And uh, so Shannon was upset by that. And, uh, and he almost quit that. So likely what happened was the executives said, I'm just spitballing here. They said, all right, guys, give it another couple of months. Let's see how it goes. And so they've continued on for another, what, over half a year uh, they've done this year, as we're into the month of June, and it just didn't get any better, and Shannon Sharp unable to compartmentalize, so it is a pathetic inning. And this is not even up for debate. Uh, you know, there's a dead giveaway that Shannon Sharp despises Skip Bayless, and it's real. What is my evidence? All right, let's go to the social media. So Shannon Sharp liked a tweet. Here's what the tweet said and it was regarding the breakup between Sharp and Skip Bayless. This random person said their relationship got progressively worse over the last two, maybe three years because Skip fought for him, meaning Shannon, to be on the show, but I feel like Skip couldn't stand Shannon succeeding without, and that's why Skip was uh, taking pot shots on the air. That is a comment that Shannon Sharp endorsed Hello? Now, secondly, how will Shannon Sharp do on his own? So many people think he's had this tremendous success and he doesn't need Skip Bayless anymore. I'm going the other way. I think that the favorite, if you're putting the gambling line up, would be that he fades into the background. Not into oblivion, but he fades into the background. This is a questionable career move. Even with the state of television the way it is and everything's being watered down because there's so many platforms, television, old school television, old school radio still have a larger audience than the vast majority of podcasts, for example. And you're making millions of dollars to talk about LeBron, the Cowboys, and the Lakers, That's I think that's all they talk about. I'm sleeping when that show's on the air, but I think that's all they talk about. And while Undisputed did not have a massive audience, as we said, it was a bully pulpit, a big platform. And I've always been amazed how uh, the the different debate shows, back when Skip Bayless worked with Stephen A. Smith, and now uh, the, the, they've each got their own show, the number of athletes that watch those debate shows and value what is said on those shows to a level that is unrealistic. They drove the conversation. And so many of the meathead players over the years who say, nobody believed in us. That's a direct result of an opinion that Bayless or Smith had on television. that They watched first take or undisputed. That was their opinion. But Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith – Uh, Our old morning guy, Stephen A. These guys are the godfathers of modern debate TV. Shannon Sharp got to ride the coattails of Skip Bayless. And good luck, he took advantage of it. And he, he got his own footprint. And we'll see how far that footprint will take him. It's not impossible. It can be done. But the degree of difficulty is insane. And I get the vibe that Shannon Sharp wants his ass kissed. He wants to be around people that do not question him or poke fun at him. He's a very proud man, and he wants to continue to give LeBron James massages and have pity parties when the Lakers lose uh, and does not want to be overly critical of them. And so, listen, people change. He's no longer cut out for that. And there's a lot of younger fans that really love soft sports media. And they, they they worship their jock sniffers. And so for that group of people, Shannon Sharp, he's an ex-jock, so he, he scratches that itch. And uh, if he doesn't criticize anybody, uh, that's great. Uh, people will like that, and they'll, they'll enjoy it. There's an audience for that. But it's a lot easier to do a podcast. The daily grind of the business does end up chewing up and spitting people out. You have to do roughly 260 shows if you take away the weekends. And... I'm not factoring in holidays, but there's 260 days during the week without weekends. And then take away the holidays, vacation days, you're roughly at around 240 shows you have to do if you do a daily show. And so there's a lot of of takes, a lot of original takes, 240 or so shows. Podcasts are much shorter. They are compact. They are often much easier to do uh, than live television or radio. That's just a reality. Now, final thought, who replaces? Shannon Sharp on Undisputed. All right, here we go. Now we get to the good stuff. So this is a fork in the road. It is a golden opportunity to re-energize Skip Bayless in the show. Remember, the key thing here, Skip Bayless is the key. He's the star maker, right? He's the star maker. Uh, It's the star search, and he's the one that does it. He helped launch Stephen A. Smith into becoming what Stephen A. Smith has become. And he also pumped up the tires on Shannon Sharp, So he's got a pretty good track record. So who do they go with? They got to find somebody that's got rhino skin, embraces debate. So no sensitive beetle brains need apply. They need not apply. So if you crank up the old crystal ball here and you say, all right, you make the call hiring the next debate star. Who are the prime candidates? I am now in charge of hiring the replacement of Shannon Sharp. Who do I go with? So the first call I make is to Rob Parker, my colleague here at Fox Sports Radio. Rob is a firebrand. He's worked with Skip Bayless at ESPN and Fox. He's not currently on that show. He's doing some MLB Network stuff and some other TV stuff. But I I would call him. Now, it's unlikely Rob would would do it. Uh, And so at this point, he's got other stuff. He's moved on to other TV people. But I'd call him. Now, outside of Rob Parker, Among the, and you figure they're going to hire a jock. Rob's not a jock. He's a sports writer slash radio TV guy. So if you're going to hire a jock, here's who I have on my big board. Scotty Pippen. No Tippin Pippen. Pippen has become a lunatic uh, of late, and that's great television. He's become unhinged. He's uh, neurotic with his opinions. Uh, There's a bit of neurosis there. He has attacked everyone from Michael Jordan on down. He's got the credentials because he was on all those Bulls teams. Now, I don't know if he follows the other sports, so that could be a problem. Another pro bouncy ball player, Paul Pierce. Uh, He doesn't seem to care about anything. Uh, He'll say whatever he wants at this point. And if you hire Paul Pierce, the great thing about that, you can have a couple strippers on set giving him lap dances while he's giving the takes. That'll dress up the show. How about Kwame Brown? What do you think, Kwame Brown? Now, Kwame Brown's not a big name. He was the number one pick, but he has had some epic rants. In fact, one of them was against Shannon Sharpe. And he has no filter. The problem is he likes to curse a lot. That's tough to do on, on television. You can do it, but they, they generally poo-poo that. And then there's some other names. Tom Brady, who will likely never work a day at Fox, but he's under the Fox umbrella until he's not. Boy, Brady would be terrible at that. But he's a big name. He's a big name. You can go political if things don't work out for President Trump, and he loves sports. That would get some attention. Somebody did mention there's another name, and I don't know that this is, this is there's anything to this. But I had a friend bring up the name uh, David Portnoy from Barstool. There's some rumors that he's going to be out at Barstool, and but he's not an ex-player though. That's the problem. And they want to hire a player, and that doesn't. You know, typically they got to have somebody who played the game and all that stuff. So that's a problem for him. But uh, and and of course, you can throw my hat in. Of course, I I have the coveted overnight shift here at Fox Sports Radio, so it'd be very difficult for me to leave the empire that we've built up here. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. So our lead this hour coming from football. And oh, what a wonderful story it is. Oh, what a glorious story it is. It involves the drama-o-rama behind the scenes involving Aaron Rodgers. So our lead coming from the frozen tundra. And boy, I love stories like these. I don't know if you do, but this is low-hanging fruit. And the most delicious fruit is the low-hanging fruit. It is the nectar of the gods. So the story involves the ugly divorce between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. If you didn't see this, it played out. We talked about it seemingly daily on these microphones that I'm talking to right now. So we are told that Aaron Rodgers attempted a power play, power play with the Cheeseheads and the story was buried behind a paywall on the Athletic. Uh, Rodgers had uh, deputized his agent, David Dunn, with a flamethrower, the old blowtorch there, requesting via the agent, who is a representative of the athlete, to talk to Mark Murphy. So David Dunn, the agent of Rodgers, contacted Mark Murphy, the president of the Green Bay Packers, with a simple request. He said, You know what? That GM, Bryden Gutekunst, fire his ass. Uh, And uh, so this happened in early of 2021, if you believe the reporting, early of the 2021 offseason. Dunn, the agent, contacted Murphy and said, here's my mandate. I have a simple mandate. You either fire Gutekunst or you trade Aaron Rodgers. Period. Stop. That was the flamethrower. In the end, at least... Right away in 2021 and also in 2022, the Packers president Mark Murphy said go pound sand. No, 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 no. All right. So let us discuss. The question: what is your viewpoint on this report here about Aaron Rodgers making demands of people losing their job via his agent? So I've got my observations: you've got Marie calendars, bottom dealing. And Aladdin. And we will combine all of these things together. And we are going to make the Baba Ganoush. A cheesy version of the Baba Ganoush. So, number one, Aaron Rodgers pushing the boundaries. That's like a child, right? Now, you, 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 little kid, you know, you, you do this when you're a kid. If you have kids, they do it. You, you're trying to see how far you can go. Doesn't hurt to ask. Uh, Aaron Rodgers believed that he had so much sway that because the Packers' front office was run by Bozo the Clown that he could get rid of Bozo the Clown. Clearly frustrated with the methodical approach to the roster building, Aaron Rodgers was baffled that they did not improve the core. And so he raised holy hell via his agent You mix that with an equal helping of the inflated ego, all of the trappings of being a celebrity athlete, and Rodgers was testing the limits, considered himself on par with LeBron James. LeBron James, how many coaches have lost their jobs because of LeBron James over the years? There's a trail of bodies from all the coaches that have been whacked because LeBron didn't agree, uh, or they they were the fall guy because the LeBron team did not win, But in the NBA, if a big-name player wants the general manager or the coach fired, uh, here's how it happens. The player, via his agent, uh, contacts the team president and says, you know, this guy's not that good. We should get rid of this guy. I'd feel more comfortable with somebody else. I think this guy should lose his job. And then the team president uh, says, okay, uh, hangs up the phone and uh, then uh, texts the GM or the coach and says, "Uh, your ass is grass go to the Who's Gal, get out of here, see you later. Now, we have not gotten to that point yet in the NFL. Things are headed that direction. We haven't crossed the Rubicon fully yet. We've seen examples of that kind of activity. Denver, for example, Uh, they gave Russell Wilson a whole lot of power, and uh, then they went out and took a ride on the Vomit Comet in the Mile High City, football-wise, uh, last year. But Aaron Rodgers ends up dining at Marie Callender's in this in this story. Instead of key lime pie or apple pie or strawberry pie, uh, Rodgers had a big plate filled with humble pie. And a la mode, by the way, with a side of reality check, forced to sulk in Green Bay a little while longer. In fact, I guess two full years longer before he ultimately entered the transfer portal and got his wish and ended up with the Jets. But it didn't happen right away, and he had to spend two more years with the Packers. Now, second, who do you think, just between me and you here, who do you think leaked the story of Aaron Rodgers issuing an ultimatum? So this is another one of my guilty pleasures. I love to play the parlor game when a story gets out. Who leaked the story? And as a rule of thumb, we always start by asking two basic questions. Who stands to gain from the leak, and why would you leak now? Why would you leak now? And if you follow the breadcrumbs, or I guess in this case, because we're talking about Wisconsin and the Packers, if you go to the dairy farm, it's all that cheese, a little piece of cheese there, the Limburger cheese. The the Packers... They stand to benefit, don't they? Right? Isn't that obvious? Like Mark Murphy stood up against Aaron Rodgers for two years, pushed back, and all Rodgers got was vapors uh, when he when he asked for change. He said, "No, no, you're getting nothing." Uh, and Rodgers shot for the moon and got nothing. Uh, and so the Packers essentially said to, to Rodgers, "How do you like them apples?" And then after, only after Aaron Rodgers had a down year, which he did in 2022, he was not up to his standard. At that point, they got rid of him because he was showing signs of falling apart. So as far as the why now, on the face of it, my theory is because Rodgers is being smothered, smothered with love from the New York media and the Jets, and he's no longer a Packer problem. So you go out, you hang the clothesline right in the front of the team facility, On Lombardi Drive, I believe it's called. I was there a couple years ago, and you air the dirty laundry. What does Aaron Rodgers have to say about all this? Well, he was asked. He was asked about the bottom dealing, and when he was questioned about this, about the demand for the GM Brian Gutenkutz to be fired, Aaron Rodgers, what did he do? Did he say, "Yes, absolutely, I did it, and I would do it again"? B, no comment. Or C, he put up his deflector shield. The answer, C. Uh, Rogers deflected the question to his agent. So then the athletic contacted Aaron Rodgers' agent. Do you think the agent then confirmed the story? B had no comment. Or C, didn't answer their phone. Ding, 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 ding. ding. Yeah, C again. Did not answer the phone. So, sleight of hand, using the plausible deniability. Using that card from the bottom of the deck. Now, final point. Should should the New York Jets GM, the new sheriff in town, as Rodgers has relocated to the I-95 corridor, should the GM, Joe Douglas, there be looking over his shoulder with Aaron Rodgers? So, I am nodding my head yes this is a Faustian bargain, is what it is. Now, the Johnson & Johnson ownership group, you take the temperature in the room there, and the Johnson & Johnson ownership group, they are willing to sacrifice just about anything at this point. They have tried almost everything, and they have post mostly put dog food teams on the field. So they, they want to satisfy that limitless desire to actually have a good team, a legitimately good team on the field again. It hasn't happened in a long time. And they've reached a lot of low water marks, a lot of low water marks uh, over the years. And so they've given Aaron Rodgers a very warm welcome. But Rodgers has already shown his colors. If he's already done this, why would he not do it again? He forced his way out, took a couple years, forced his way out of Green Bay. He was at loggerheads with the front office. He wanted a team that was more aggressive in free agency and all that. He, He also wanted to be the one that was the boss. Who's the boss? He wanted to wear the pants. And he found he found that with gangrene. Now in New York, Joe Douglas, the GM there with the Jets, he's got to pacify Rodgers. We've already seen it, that the GM is the genie from Aladdin. Your wish is my command. The Jets have added just about every ex-packer they can get their hands on. Alan Lazard. A middling wide receiver. Let's overpay Alan Lazard, check. Tim Boyle, backup quarterback. He blows, but he played with Rodgers, and Rodgers likes him. We'll use our credit card. We'll bring him in. Some tackle named Billy Turner. We don't even know who that is, but he played with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And the biggest example of how Aaron Rodgers is running the show, Randall Cobb. Washed up three years ago, should be selling insurance somewhere, and he'll be playing wide receiver for the Jets. I'm not surprised. Nathaniel Hackett. Now, you can't blame Aaron Rodgers for Nathaniel Hackett because he was hired to woo. Woo! Woo! Uh, He was hired to woo Aaron Rodgers. We know that Hackett's a dingleberry, and now he's the offensive coordinator. Uh, Good luck on that. Those guys are a match-made... In heaven, and anybody that played with Rodgers, who Rodgers got along with in Wisconsin, is a made man. It's all part of the band of brothers, and Rodgers, he wants to get that train back on the tracks. Choo-choo! Wants to bring everybody back. Even if they can't play anymore. Bring them back. What can go wrong? Nothing will go wrong. Just bring everybody
1: back. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
2: Let's go places.